0: Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest.
1: Financial freedom is very fluid, and freedoms in general is really what people are after.
2: Welcome to Ride Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate. And I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors, and welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Derek Clifford. Derek has just an amazing story that we're going to go through of leading up to and and what what he says retiring himself, air quotes, from his corporate job, which I love in 2021 to building out a portfolio of over 400 apartment units at this point, hosting a podcast and becoming an author and providing thought leadership in the space. And also just getting back from, I don't want to misquote, but multiple months all over Europe. And he can tell us more about that. So today we're going to walk through Derek's journey on how was he, how was he able to do all this? Uh, you know, And how did he ultimately end up? creating a system that allowed him to leave the country for several months at a time while still cash flowing. So really excited to dig in with Derek today. So Derek, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Absolutely. Kent, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Derek and I know each other pretty well. I've also been on his show and Derek is a pretty avid investor here in Indianapolis. Without further ado, uh, Derek, we'll start where we always start, which is tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kent. Um, so to keep it as brief as I can, uh, I am a recovering engineer, and now a real estate investor. I uh, got my undergrad degree in chemical engineering and then got an MBA. And you know, while I was working my full-time job, uh, I just got kind of disillusioned with the way the engineering career and the project management career was going because I saw the incredible profits that my my, my corporate benefactors were were sowing from all the, the efforts that I had put in, me and my colleagues. And when you do the math and you figure out, okay, if the company is saving $2 million or making a million bucks in revenue or you know, some combination of that, and you realize that the project takes, oh, I don't know, 5,000 hours to complete, and you kind of can back out the cost or how much they're they're earning off of your labor... That number just made me really upset, and I decided then and there that I needed to do something to get myself more into that active ownership piece, um, so mm-hmm. I could get some of that myself, right? For so that every unit of action that I put forward translates to a unit of profit directly to me, or however I decide. You know, I'd have the control of that. So started investing in real estate. Um, you know, studied up about two years on the subject back when Bigger Pockets was um, just getting rolling, and um and was was a was kind of a thing back then listened to every episode probably twice actually I was very active on the forums um and learned everything I could for about a year and a half and then finally bought my first rental and then from there you know I started expanding out of state um ran into the Indianapolis market and we can talk about how I found that um at, at another point in time here but it just kind of went from there I ran out of my residential single family loans I was taking my very high corporate salary and investing you know, from California and investing in in Indianapolis with maybe two or three paychecks, right? I was I was able to take my paychecks over there and you know, Kent, how property prices were back in 2016 or 17, you could very easily do something like that and just you know buy a property, just take a down payment, and just throw it right into a property and let it let it go. Mm-hmm. And I made some smart decisions and eventually ran out of single family loans or the you know the ten loans that Fannie Mae restricts you to on the residential side. And then started looking elsewhere, did some JVs, uh, and then finally ran out of capital also on JVs and started to get mentors for doing syndications. And, um, you know, from that point forward, Kent, we started raising capital in Texas as well um, just to get my GP ownership hat, um, you know, mark off the resume, uh, and then started to do more syndications in Indianapolis. And so now we're in Indy, we're in Louisville, and we're in San Antonio and Austin, Texas.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Great, great synopsis. And yeah, I definitely want to dig in more there. So as you were going back to the beginning of your journey, as you're thinking about, you know, you've got this corporate job, you're making a good salary, right? But you're you're just looking at it. I mean, you're trading your time for money, right? And, and you're making somebody else a lot of money as an employee. And you really wanted to get into the business owner and investor side of, of the of the quadrants right and so but that's not necessarily an easy feat i mean it's not necessarily easy to take the security or at least uh you know the
1: the steady like, paychecks
2: the, the expect well i was gonna say it's not as secure as everybody really thinks right i mean you yeah can get laid off at any moment but this the sure. the implied security of this of this corporate job the steady cash flow through your paychecks um, and trade that for a ton of risk right? of of leaving your job and going into real estate. So what were some of the things that came up as you were exploring that path? I mean, what were some of the limiting beliefs, some of the mindset things that you had to get over and, and how did you ultimately, what was the mindset that you ultimately approached that shift with?
1: Yeah, great question. I think um, early on, I was very much a corporate employee and that's just the way that it was like i i anticipated you know working for 30 years and then retiring and you know maybe doing 20 if i was really smart and savvy uh, in saving and investing in stocks and you know those types of things um but really it was my wife i have to say that that's really what it was she came from uh, an entrepreneurial background her parents were immigrants coming from cambodia from thailand uh, back during the Rouge, right? So they escaped to the U.S. to be able to build a new life for them. And she grew up in the States. So they, she, didn't, she never really experienced that in the Southeast Asia. But they were very entrepreneurial and that rubbed off on her. So she was introducing me to these books and that's kind of where the mindset came, where the disgust with, you know, figuring out how much uh, the company was making and I was just contributing as a cog in the wheel on that part mm-hmm. of it, in, in, in that part of it. And so, you know, I would say that that mindset piece is a prerequisite to even getting into the real estate game in general, because there is no way in heck, you know, can't like looking back with my upbringing and seeing the way that my parents brought me up. They did a great job because, you know, they taught me the right things, the respect, the trust, um, and, you know, treating people the way that you would like to be treated, all that type of thing. So they gave me the the basic um, fundamentals of working with other people, but they didn't have the business experience and they didn't understand it. And they just looked at it as unnecessary risk. So for me, it took many years of talking with my wife and, you know, her challenging my my mindset of why can't it be this way? Why can't you have two things? Why can't you do something on the side while you're working a full-time job? Because that's what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And following her example, you'll see a recurring theme throughout my story, Kent, is that very much so my wife is the visionary. I am extremely so the integrator. Like, in almost everything that we do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's very much like the high-minded person looking at the goals and helps me set you know the, the, set the direction of my sale, so to speak, yeah. um, with where we're heading. And I think that, you know, leading with the, the trust of your spouse, that's where a lot of confidence and a lot of energy and a lot of confidence, I would say, uh, came in.
2: That's awesome. So you had your wife as that really support. To really, you know, guide you, but also support you in the process and help you flush out some of those ideas, help, help give you some new ways of looking at things. Right. Um, I mean, very much kind of that rich dad, poor dad kind of juxtaposition, yeah. right. Of like your family and upbringing versus her family and upbringing, right. And understanding yeah. the differences. And so, so that's really cool. And then, like you said, she's able to give you that energy and support and confidence, um, you know, that, that, uh, allowed you to kind of take that leap. And so that's great. I mean it just you know we talk about partnerships a lot in real estate. I mean I think that's just a partnership like like any other, right? I mean it's a partnership that you guys have complementary skill sets and obviously there's a deeper level there in your relationship, but there there's that practical amount complementary skill sets and the ability to support each other and and be able to move forward more than than either of you could. Um on your own. And so that's really cool. That That's a great relationship. And um, I think that's a story that a lot of people can probably hopefully resonate with, or if they're in yeah. that position right now, um, you know, maybe that's in a dialogue that they can open up about getting, you know, getting their spouse on as a support system. Cause it, it's, you know, my wife is very supportive of my journey in this too. I think it would be impossible to do it with, without that. Um, And so I think getting your spouse, you know, your wife, obviously very supportive, but even on the same page, I think is critical to go down. You have to go down that path together um, and understand the ins and outs. So you get there, you decide, okay, you've got the support system. You've got the confidence. You're going to leave that job. Um, But at the beginning, that portfolio was single family houses, right? You had like, when you left, what did the portfolio look like?
1: Yeah, I mean obviously it was much different Ken. Like, you know, when when I first started, obviously it was a single family a collection of single family homes and the plan was for us just to basically ride the appreciation and the cash flow the whole time mm-hmm. and just slowly one Lego brick at a time, right? Add to your castle and every time you add a, a little Lego brick to your moat, right? It's your financial wall, it's your protection. It's the cash flow that comes in regularly plus the appreciation and the tax benefits. You know, listeners of your show probably already know about all these amazing things that real estate can do for you um, but I just got super inspired with all the incredible things and so the idea was to buy and hold forever that was the original plan mm-hmm. but when I made the exit it was actually uh, quite a bit later Kent like I started doing real estate investing back in oh you know 2016 and then really got started in earnest in 2017 in Indianapolis right that's yeah. when I started doing out-of state stuff um and then you know by the time last year rolls around as a matter of fact, Today we're in the third week of August and next week will be one full year that I will have left my full time job. And nice. at that point, a year ago, we had about not very many. I think we only had about forty or fifty units to our name at that point in time. Gotcha. That's it. So
2: you've been able to scale 10x since you've left.
1: Yes, sir. And that's year. a whole nother that's a whole nother yeah. talk about abundance, right? Which is yeah. which is it's it's incredible what it can do for you if you take if you take that leap of faith, which is another thing that I learned from my wife. See, I told you there'd be a common thread yeah. throughout this this podcast.
2: We have to bring her on the show.
1: Yeah, you know what do you need me for? You know, maybe I can go
2: grab her now
1: and yeah, we can swap we'll just, out, br- bring her
2: on. You know, Yeah, she sounds like an awesome lady.
1: She uh, is.
2: So, in all seriousness, so getting back to okay, so you're going. So when you left, you had about you had about forty. Right, you had so it sounds like you had started into multifamily at that point.
1: Yes, yeah, so what I had done, Ken, is I had an 18-unit apartment complex, and then I had all my single-family homes because I had done a JV with a few people who had been watching what i have been doing the single-family side at work, and so we partnered up. We bought something on the east side of Indy, uh, right there near Woodruff Place. Um, yeah. I'm sure you know that part of town. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what we did was um, we uh, took my single family home equity, and we found a 36 unit and started working with some brokers. And I 1031 ed all of those into a 36 unit. So I lost, well, not lost, but I transferred my entire single family portfolio and moved it into an apartment complex where now I own more than half of it. And so at that point in time, that's right when we closed on that, it was like April or so or March or April. Um, That's when I also had mentors in syndication, right, where I've been learning from and i was showing people what i was doing with this apartment complex and i started raising capital to invest in texas and that's when at that point in time i realized that the side hustle was becoming more than the main thing and that's when we decided to make the leap
2: yeah and that that's an interesting point too where you know people ask people often ask you how do you know how do you know when it's time right and so so what yeah. was it, so, so obviously high level, you said, you know, this, that became more, but like, what was it that was actually happening uh, that where you were like, you know what, something's got to give here?
1: Yeah. You know, good point. Like, it's a great question. So um, I learned throughout, you know, the, the course of the last year and a half, right. That financial freedom is very fluid and freedoms in general is really what people are after. So what we decided to do was, you know, when the pandemic was going on, um, we took a look at our finances because we had, you know, a proven model that worked because we were doing JVs, syndications. Uh, We had, you know, a bunch of apartment equity that we could eventually transfer out into, you know, cash flow later. Because at that time we were working on stabilizing it. We were injecting property, you know, rents from the property back into it so that we could, you know, increase the rents and so on and so forth, right? And um, we looked at it and said, you know what, it would be really great if we could just get locationally free. That's what that would be. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did, Kent. Um, later on, we'll talk more about this. But we eventually yeah. sold, we sold our house in the Bay Area and sold pretty much everything we had and started traveling. Then what happened next was time freedom. That's what we wanted next. The second degree of freedom was time. That's when I realized like, oh my gosh, we can travel anywhere. We can work from anywhere and still do what we want to do. And we have this money from the sale of our house and we have passive income and she's still working online. My wife, why am I working again? Like what, what's my time worth? Because I've got proven skills and track record here. And believe me, that was not a simple decision, Kent, because, you know, it may be easy for you listener to listen to this and say, Oh, you know, as soon as my passive income reaches a certain level, I'm gone. Right. But there's something about, when you're on the precipice and you're needing to submit hit the send button on that 2 week notice to your to your employer <laughs> where you're like well you know now they think about it, this job isn't that bad and you know there's healthcare benefits i'm still growing my portfolio now and like it's it's security it's safety right. as soon as i send this email i'm on my own right and there's something about a fear there's something a like a limiting belief there and it wasn't until talking with my mentors that we always tend to land on our feet, at least my wife and I, when we're put into situations like this. So they're like, make it a good one. Make it a big one. Trust yeah. yourself. Yeah. And then another coach of mine said, what's the worst that can happen? You just got to go back to work if it doesn't work out. Yeah. That's it. So those two things combined. Um, led me to make the decision to finally leave. So now we have location freedom, we have time freedom, and here's the best part, Kent. The financial freedom came because our passive income was at a certain level, right? And as soon as we got rid of our $10,000 seed just to survive in the Bay Area, yeah. and now we can travel anywhere for like five grand and live really nicely for 5,000 bucks, 4,000 bucks, depending on where you are. And that brought us to Europe and you know different parts of the world. Now we have financial freedom because we've lowered our expenses because we're thinking bigger, right? We're now able to go from Airbnb to Airbnb. And while we're doing this, our apartment buildings are gaining equity for us. So we're not missing out on on any of the real estate equity that we would have had if we had a house. As a matter of fact, most of our capital, we transferred over to apartment building equity so that it could grow as an investment while we're traveling around the world. So, I encourage people to look at the three degrees of freedom. First, location, get yourself some of that, right? Whether you're working a full-time job and you can work from anywhere, get that. So you can do that from anywhere. And then time freedom, work out an arrangement with your W-2 employer or leave your job depending on where you are, if you have the skills, but work out an agreement with your employer so that you can be results-based instead of time Mm clock-based. That's your time freedom. And then financial freedom will come eventually as you start working with people like Kent um, who can, can offer these incredible passive investments for you. um, Or if you pursue your own portfolio, like I did.
2: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, there's so much to unpack there on how to (laughs) thoughtfully leave and position yourself and then all the great stuff that comes afterwards. I mean, just just Mm -hmm. at a high level, my takeaway is you're right. You like, there there's it's so hard to leave that w2 right and it's because we're ingrained from when we're little kids that that's what you do right you go and you get a job and you work there i mean i think it's changing now i think even from the time like i went to school or like we went to school to now i think it's a different message i think kids look at it differently i mean i don't i mean i think even like maybe we were kind of the last of like okay you know, we're going to work forever. We're probably not going to work at the same job forever, which our parents were like, we're going to work at the same job for 30 years. Right. Yeah. And we were like, okay, we're mm-hmm. going to work. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays I, I get the sense that, that kids are much more entrepreneurial and kind of this idea of how do you create these side hustles and things. Right. So I think that's fantastic. But, but the, the reason it's so hard is because yeah. we were ingrained on it. Right. It's kind of, it goes back the same way with investing. Like the reason it's hard for a lot of people to get into real estate investing is because they're ingrained on the 401k stocks, bonds, mutual fund piece. I mean, forever, that's all we hear. We're kind of indoctrinated yeah. with it. It's kind of, you know, it's all, it's kind of the, the, this main talk track, right. Of of what people are supposed to do. And you don't realize and it. it's difficult to break through and step out of that. It's uncomfortable. Um, how did your just on the line, how did your friends and family, what was their response <laughs> when you're like, Hey, I'm going to leave my great paying job and, and I'm going to go buy some real estate.
1: So as you might imagine, you know, the the reaction I got from my friends and family was what you could probably imagine very easily. It was, are you crazy? You're nuts. And um, when I even tried to explain what it is that I do to them, they were very confused. And so that was really, really like hard for me to take. And um, I just learned to realize that I, I can't pay attention to what they're saying. I knew in my mind, like, how much my time was worth and what it is that I would be working to build versus what I'd be leaving behind with the full-time job. With the full-time job, it's flat salary, you know, limited um, you know, increases in salary, which by the way, you don't even get to determine. The employer gets to determine how much you're paid. And so I felt like I needed to get out of that equation so much that I was willing to make that change. And it didn't matter to me what other people thought, especially my family, because I had the support of my spouse and my spouse and my friends and my mastermind the people that I surrounded myself around were encouraging me so I almost never saw that type of effect and here's yeah. the funny thing about 3 or 4 months after that kent all of a sudden family members started asking me wait a minute what are you doing here you know and then they started getting interested <laughs> right. and they and then they they agreed and they started to understand what it is that I was doing and then they became believers
2: yeah well what's really powerful there is you you had a support system, right? Your your spouse, which we've already talked about. You also yeah. said you had a mastermind. Uh, so you had people that were like-minded and, and understood where you were coming from and were able to give you that confidence to say, you're not crazy. It is the right path. It's just not the common <laughs> yeah. path, right? And I think that's, that's a huge thing for anybody in that situation. You just have to recognize that for the most part, your family and, and friends are not going to understand What you're wanting to do, just because it's it's not something that they've ever contemplated, right? You're thinking differently, which isn't bad. It's good, but you got to surround yourself with people that think in the same way as you. And I think a mastermind is a great way. Um is one great way to do that, right? So I think that that's a good little tip.
1: I would say too, Kent, that it's like leadership, right? Like you're showing someone a new way of thinking. It's like I, I don't mean to compare your family, your friends and family, including your parents or your uncles, or even your kids um, to, you know, like little children growing up. But honestly, like if you get to a point where you understand potentials higher and you believe in yourself, you're not going to encourage a kid, you know, to, to just be comfortable ca- crawling around all the time. Right. You're going to encourage them to get up and and make a mindset shift, right. Like stand up and walk around where you're going to push them to do things. Right. And that's kind of how I, I look at this is sometimes, you know, they make well-informed decisions with the limited information that they have mm-hmm. and they don't know any better. So it's up to us to set the example. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. You can always go back to your full-time job and try it again later. But thing is, is you just got to have that, 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 that tough skin, you know, yeah. um, just to intentionally surround yourself around the people that can prop you up and push you more in that direction. And the people that don't serve that, I hate to say, but you gotta start limiting or start compartmentalizing the relationship there, to some right. degree.
2: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You gotta surround yourself with positive people and people that are gonna gonna support your decisions. Not does uh, that crab analogy right, where it's like you know crabs are trying to crawl out of the barrel, and uh, you know the crab, <laughs> the one crab tries to get out, all the other crabs are gonna pull them down. Right.
1: Yeah. So, absolutely. Kind of the nature yeah. of
2: how they work, I don't know why, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Changing topic a little bit, I I want you to just tell people, I mean, talk a little bit about the traveling you've been able to do just so we can set up kind of the context around how, how long and how far away you've, you've been.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, not to spend too much time on this, but you know, ever since May last year, we've been on the road. Um, We stayed at about 50 Airbnbs we count right now, um, staying an average time of about two weeks uh, to three, yeah, about two to three weeks at each location. Um, and we just got back a couple of weeks ago from a four month trip in Europe. Again, it was, it was incredible. We spent about a month in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, and then we went Island hopping, We went to Athens, Greece, and then went Island hopping, went to four different islands in Greece. Um, uh, and then we came back and we were in England for a little bit and then took a Norwegian cruise out to Norway. Uh, and then from there we were in Wales and I mean, sorry, Scotland, uh, and then Iceland, and then we finally made our way back to the United States a couple of weeks ago. But you know, we've been adventuring this whole time and being able to really take in where it is that we're at right now and be able to become more of a well-rounded person. We're growing with our business goals, but we're also growing in our relationship, in our adventures, You know, the things that we can do while we still are able to, um, and growing in our mindset because we're experiencing these different cultures and trying incredible food in different places of the world. Um, And just really enjoying life because that's what life is all about, right? I mean, business is going to be there, but life is so fleeting and time is the most valuable currency we have. So we're here to create memories and do what we can while we we still can.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think travel is one of the best teachers, right? I mean, there's, there's just something about seeing and experiencing other cultures and understanding that the way that we do things in the U.S. is not the only way right and there are a lot of different ways to go about things i think that's just good for everybody to understand to to be well-rounded so so fantastic that you truly have achieved uh, all three levels of freedom as you as you stated before Mm -hmm. what i'm curious is how do you run a 400 something unit portfolio uh from norway or greece or iceland (laughs) or any of these countries Tell me, talk to me, get, get detailed from it. Talk to me about what those systems look like, you know, maybe the relationship, the relationships that you've built and then how you're able to just maintain things in working order from so far.
1: Yeah. You know, again, excellent question. And, and I think, you know, an overarching theme of this whole thing is um, quick to hire or no quick to fire, slow to hire that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I've come across a lot of people. And so you in in the real estate business is a people based business. So over the years, there are a couple of people that I've always wanted to do business with that are located in different markets. And depending on, you know, what backgrounds you have, and who you know, in different areas, you can start to build a network in those spots. And so there's so many people that select markets based on, you know, the numbers, or based on you know, what they hear from other people, right, which is there's some val there's some validity to that, because there is growth going there and and all types of things. But I think that you can make a winning investment in any market if you have the right team. So what I suggest to many people out there is to select markets based on your network. That's what needs to happen. So the reason that we invested in Indianapolis is because I, you know, I have a really good Um, a good friend out there that we've been wanting to do something together ever since I got invested in Indy. On my very first trip out there, he was a budding bigger pockets, real estate investor doing single family homes just like me, but he was local and he was looking to partner with people from California that had capital, those types of things. Right. And we've always kept a line of communication open and we became good friends. And he became my partner with the stuff going on in Indianapolis and with him as boots on the ground there, And with our property management team, between those two, we can cover a lot of ground, Kent. And my job is to find apartment buildings, underwrite them, do the due diligence, put it all together, right? Build with the business plan together and then do the asset management. The asset management piece has lots of systems behind it. I have a VA um, who takes all of the data from the property managers and puts them into a spreadsheet and then it auto populates out all the KPIs. So for me, I'm able to look at a glance, as soon as the information is available, what the KPIs are. And as long as we have, um, you know, once every two weeks or once a month, depending on the property and where it's at in terms of stabilized or, you know, if we're under um, re- if, we're, if we're under like repositioning, um, we'd have a conversation based on what those KPIs are telling us. So to me, Kent, I see my job as building relationships with Zoom, which I'm very fortunate because of COVID, because now people are more native to Zoom and people are willing to have conversations, investors and operators, right? Um, Using Zoom as a tool. So really all we need when we travel, Kent, is the right time of day, because sometimes it could be nighttime when people want to (laughs) meet. So that takes a little bit of preparation up, up front, but having the systems to be able to have some of this financial reporting dropped in and automatically populated, that took me time to build. And now I'm reaping the benefits of that. And then having boots on the ground that you trust in that market and property managers that you trust. So they're checking each other, right? Or you have the the owner checking the property manager and there's a feedback loop going on all the time. So as long as communication is happening on a twice a month or once a month basis, there's no reason for me to even have to go to the property. Of course, I'm going to, I mean, because I'm coming to India in the next couple of weeks and you got to do that every once in a while, just because it's what you need to do. But I don't see a need for us to be physically there for it. If we have tools that we can use to help us be more efficient and more organized in our approach.
2: Gotcha. So yes, yeah, so you've developed a process where you've identified with the property manager what KPIs or what information they need to deliver right on a weekly basis. Correct. Like. Then you've leveraged a yep. VA to take all that Put that into a spreadsheet you've created, and turn that into information you can actually make decisions on. And yes, that sir. really gets you to the point where you're not fishing for info; you're not having to have a lot of calls. You're able to just see exactly what you need to see, right? And then you bingo! Got, it, yeah, go go yeah, ahead. It, it,
1: I was going to say it pulls straight from the the ledgers. So when we get ledgers that are you know for all the units, and then also for like the property level things. Um, my VA is trained to take all of them and put it into a standardized transaction register, right? That's on Google Sheets. So it's available for all of my partners to see, including me. And I have an autom- my automated system that pulls a PL, a, a back looking PL, and forecasts the future based on what we've seen before. And right now I'm working on functionality to build in a, um, a balance sheet so that for tax time, it's it's fairly easy to do. And at any time I can use that information I'm getting in that financial report out to tell investors how it, how things are working. So I've got it to the point now too, where I have my VA looking at the data and they're drafting emails and active campaign for me, right? And keep in mind, I only have one VA, but it's because I have tight processes and systems that I'm able to run 400 units this tightly from anywhere abroad. I'm very much a process oriented guy. I don't like to do the same things twice. So um I, be, I i spend the time and energy to build things out myself and write programs macros you know use some of my engineering brain to be able to 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 simplify things into scale because i know that as i add more properties it's the same process i just need to you know add another line item and it comes in and that's the appeal to it and that's why i spent so much time building something like this
2: yeah i love that so are you are you actually getting kind of the financial reporting. You said the ledgers feed on a weekly basis and that's feeding into into all of this versus having the property manager feed you some of their reports. reports. Yeah. I have my own reports.
1: So all I do is I ask them, I ask them to provide me a a ledger with all the transactions that took place at the property level and at the unit level. Right. And then I have my, my assistant um, basically take all of those, those transactions and put them into our format. And once it's in our format, You know, and it's fairly easy to do that. It's just some Excel manipulation, right? You do some conversion and things like that on the back end, but it's very easy to do. And it only takes them about two or three hours to do it for all of our properties. But once it's lined up in the right column, you know, right in the right cells and everything, we have our accounting done because it's a way for me to categorize my expenses, right? To go through and make sure that everything is falling into the right category to do a forward-looking and a backward-looking analysis on all the properties at one time. And I would say it takes me ooh, maybe two hours to do all of the financial rigor on this uh, for all the properties per month. So that's that's what I would say my time load is on this now.
2: I love that. Yeah, I love those systems. That That is the key to everything. And then yes, sir. you've- uh, so if you you're looking at these KPIs, I mean, just tell me what are the top three things that you're looking at on a
1: yeah, monthly, I mean, monthly basis. You're you're probably not going to be surprised here, but it's obviously vacancy, which is one of the biggest KPIs to look at. Um, turn times to make sure that you know, however long it's taking to get that vacancy filled, that's mm-hmm. what we're looking at. Um, and then also market rents, you know, how close we are to market rents and what's lost to lease look like. Those three things um, will help us on the income side. And then on the expense side, that's why I'm coming to Indy, because I'm going to be looking at how to control that a little bit more, because I'm sure there's KPIs there. I just don't know, you know enough about that yet, um, but I'm sure that I will going into it, talking with experts like you and other folks um, to get some pointers on what to set for KPI on expenses.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. You've identified the KPIs, You know, and not only what are they, but what are the goals, right? What are the benchmarks? What are the goals you're trying to achieve? And it makes it pretty easy from there to run things. And you've been able to scale up with a VA, do it virtually, and that's allowed you to travel the world. So, yes, um, sir. Pretty incredible how you've come from not even a year ago leaving your corporate job to now um, doing whatever the heck you want.
1: Yeah, fully mobile. I will say though, Ken, that like I'm working probably a good three or four days out of the week. And as you know, during acquisition times, you know how it can get kind of crazy. Like sometimes it goes to be seven days, right? Um, full. And yep. so that's what we're in the middle of right now. But I, I think that um when you're out traveling, don't be discouraged because when we were in Europe, right, we had the opportunity to work in the afternoons in Europe because in the mornings people weren't even awake in the US. So if we wanted to take a day off, we just block out our afternoon, which means we're, you know, we're we're taking that time off. And then we have all the way until the next afternoon of the following day to be able to explore the city. So there were many days, Kent, where, you know, we were out in like Athens, right, where we'd wake up, go have breakfast out, go see the, you know, go see the Parthenon, and then come back. And then in the afternoon, we have meetings when it's morning in the US. Mm -hmm. That happened a lot, you know, so, and when you do that type of lifestyle, you also become very intentional about what's important to you. Yeah,
2: because absolutely.
1: If you really want to spend your time out there enjoying it, but you still want to, you know, you're performing well for your investors, you you owe them that obligation. And that's that's something I made very clear is that they're the top priority, push comes to shove. But I built these systems and things to alert me of things, even while I'm out and about, to where I can get things addressed quickly within 24 hours. Um, and so that's what I've explained to my my investors. I'm not just traveling around the world and just, you know... just like not in, you know, just not paying attention to the investments and just traveling and doing whatever I want, but I'm working very hard. It's just very systematic. And based on the time zones and travel and your intentionality, you can do a lot more than you think you can.
2: Absolutely. And I think that that's a great message. I think that's a great place to wrap up just around through your journey, how much you've accomplished the fact that you can reach that true time, freedom, location, freedom, financial freedom, right? If you follow this process, I'm starting with a single family home, right? I mean, not that long ago, would you say 16?
1: Yeah. 20, 16, 20 so 16, six yeah. 2016 yeah. was the very first single family home. And I knew nothing Kent, about it at all. Like I, I thought I did, but it was all theory and, you know, practice yeah. as a way of actually teaching you what really happens.
2: <laughs> that is hundred <laughs> percent right. Yeah. Awesome, Derek. Well, before I let you go, I want to take you through our keys to success round. Four questions I want to ask you. The first one is if you were going to invest in someone else's deal and you could only ask them one question, what would that one question be? Mm.
1: I hope that you've gotten this question before with some of your previous guests, but my question would be, are you investing your own money in the deal mm-hmm. or in the investment? Yep. Skin that in shows- game. That shows extra skin in the game, right? It shows that the person is committed and really believes in the deal. And honestly, that's, that's where a lot of it starts. I mean, I have tons of other questions, but that's kind of like yeah. the basic one that, that would help me weed out a lot.
2: That's ultimate alignment, right? Their dollars right next to yours. Absolutely. Bingo. What are you most proud of in your career?
1: Well, I mean, I would say that creating the life of abundance that we've been able to do in the last two years um, has been incredible for us. And it took overcoming those limiting beliefs, but I would say that this abundant lifestyle that we have right now, um, we wake up every day grateful and it didn't always, it wasn't always that way. And we stepped into, we took the risk and we made it happen. So that's something that I would, I would say for that question.
2: Awesome. That's a great answer. What book should everybody read?
1: There are so many good ones. Um, I love the one thing. That's a really good one. The Richest Man in Babylon is classic. Like both, the, both those books are must reads. But I think it depends on where you are in your life, really, because you, we pick up different things in different stages of our life. Whatever's important to us and what's happening right now. So you know, definitely keep that in mind. But for me, and for most people out there, the Gap in the Game, incredible book uh, by Dan Sullivan, talks about thinking gratefully versus thinking in scarcity.
2: The gap in the game.
1: Yes. In the game. That one. In the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same before. This the same author who brought you Who Not How. Um and Ken, I think you're gonna love that. Yeah. Yes. You're gonna love that book because it's it's awesome. It's great for setting goals. It's great for you know daily interactions and just being grateful in general. Um and just being in a more positive state and how that translates to just infinite possibilities for you in your business.
2: I love it. Adding it to the list. Awesome. And lastly, Derek, what is your number one key to success?
1: Oh, so the four C's. I'm going to go over them real quick because building a side hustle when you're working a full-time job, you need the four C's. That is clarity, consistency, coaching, and connections. If you are more attuned to leaning into one of those C's, lean into one of them. For me, it was consistency. I went into the office every day at 7am. And between 7 and 8am, while I was going to my full time job, I was working on real estate before anyone else got there. Over time, what's going to ha- what's going to happen is if you're really good at that C, a coach is going to emerge, connections are going to emerge. And so is your clarity of purpose. So whatever one of those four C's resonates with you the most, whether you want to coach or you have a very clear vision of clarity, or you have a great connection of people, like people's around you, whatever it is, lean into one of them. And then the other three C's are going to follow, right? So just do that with intention. And once all four of those C's are in place, you're off to the races.
2: I love it. That's very practical and something that, that folks can jot down and uh, follow the same so. path. Awesome. Well, so. Derek, thank you so much for coming on. Um, if folks want to learn more about, your journey, what you've done, Elevate Equity, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, the easiest way is just to find us, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, type in um, Elevate Your Equity. Uh, And we also had Kent uh, as as well on our show. He did an awesome show with us. And so I encourage you guys to listen to that one. Um, And then, you know, also check us out online, ElevateEquity.org. We're on all the socials as well, mostly on LinkedIn. Um, And then, the last thing I have for the audience is if you guys want to figure out our five-step blueprint, for how my wife and I was able to create all of this in more detail, how we prioritized our decision-making, go to elevateequity.org forward slash podcast gift and you'll get a free PDF on how we did that.
2: I love that. Thanks for giving that to the audience. We'll make sure that's linked below so everybody can get there. And Derek, with that, absolutely. I hope you have a great rest of the day.
1: Hey, you too, Ken. Thanks for having me on.
2: Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.